Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. We will be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but uh, don't be surprised if a couple of uh, plot developments from previous episodes poke their heads up here. Um, I'm Jason, and I am ready to uh, Shanshu in L.A. <laughs> And I am Harrison, uh, and I'm just, you know, casually flirting with that cute gay art girl so I can buy my boss slash vampire friend some art supplies. Some pastels. Some pastels. <laughs> Jason, what episode are we watching? Harrison, I'm glad you asked. We are watching Angel Season 1, Episode 22, to Shanshu in L.A., the season finale Woo! of season one of Angel. We did it. This is the one where Wolfram and Hart is pissed that Angel took the scroll that they needed. And so they summon a demon and he uh, systematically tries taking Team Angel out one by one. But dude picked a, picked a fight with the wrong vampire with a soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Shan Shu in L.A. was written and directed by David Greenwalt, and it originally aired on May 23rd, 2000. Jason, tell our beautiful listeners what we're drinking today. Uh, today we are having... Uh is appropriate for an angel episode uh red wine mm -hmm. but we are drinking it in the fancy glasses yeah. that harrison and john own because uh you know it's a special occasion this is our this is not only our uh finale episode for season one of angel but this is also the end of our journey through both through both conco concurrently going through Buffy season four and Angel season one, um, our first time doing both shows at the same time, and uh, what an adventure it's been. Um, <laughs> it started in the middle of a pandemic, uh, which we're still kind of in, but uh, uh, we both have taken like precautions to where we can record in the same place. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been an adventure, and uh, very happy to take this uh, last step of this section of the adventure yeah. with you. I'm, you know, I'm glad we did this. <laughs> but I'm so looking forward to our next season because... Oh, yeah, no. Every... Really good stuff. Yeah. Um, this, like, these two seasons, and we're, we're obviously going to have some season wrap-up episodes, but these two seasons... Um, of Buffy and Angel, they had their good moments, but they also had a lot of not so great moments. But th coming up in season five of Buffy and season two of Angel, there's so much more good yeah. because both shows like Buffy start Buffy's gonna like start hitting like it's it's getting its second wind. It's mm -hmm. like entering. It's hitting its second stride of the next phase of the show and Angel finally like kind of grows up into the show that it has been kind of like inching slowly towards. inching towards yeah um 
not to keep us on this track because it's not relevant to what we're talking about today, but I'm just going to say, I'm going to say hot take right now. I do not, I don't think there's a single bad episode in season five of Buffy. There are episodes that are okay, but there is not, and I I reserve the right to (laughs) change my mind when we are actually in it and talking about it, but... There's not a single episode that I go, wow, that was fucking trash. I will say there is, um, I, I will say, uh, m- uh, my opinions of some episodes of, of both series have changed, some for better, some for worse. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, as we've done this podcast with this, uh, with the space to talk, um, and I think doing those deep dives helps. Yeah. And, uh. And also just like really fun to watch some episodes that I really haven't watched since college. Yeah. So, uh, which was a little, little while back for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I believe a toast is in order. I believe a toast is in fact in order. And you know, um, we often toast other things on this uh, podcast, but I think it's time we toast to fucking us. Yeah. Fuck because it. yeah, we made it and we're going to keep going. Mm. Because I tell you one thing. Buffy and Angel aren't the only ones hitting their strides. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever. I was trying to think of some sort of pun on the word stride, and it just failed. I did not succeed. <laughs> um, did, uh, did you ever see that uh, that really stupid... I think it might have been a Vine, but uh, it was Anne like... The guy, yeah, the guy's like, Hey, Anne, what's your... Uh, what's your do you, which do you like better, trident or stride? And it's... The, like, little micro clip from uh, I Dreamed a Dream in Les Mis. And she's like, stride! Yep. (laughs) Yeah, I remember watching that over and over. Because I was like, this is very stupid, but hysterically funny. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's right in that wheelhouse. (laughs) I love it. All right. Um, So, I want to start us off before we get into our... um, uh the episode proper with just a couple bits of trivia okay this episode is the 100th episode of buffy and angel combined ah. to air. um so we will we will get the 100th episode of buffy that's the season five finale it is isn't the it? season five finale and the 100th episode the 100th episode of angel is also in season five it's you're welcome mm-hmm. oh Harrison, keep it together. We're a long ways away from that. Um, but yeah, but combined, both, this uh, is... <laughs> yeah, both. Uh, I don't know. Like, um, would you say that like both of those are your uh, are your favorite episodes of of Buffy and Angel, respectively? Uh, the gift is my favorite Buffy episode, hands down. Um, I think it is literally perfect from beginning to end. Um, you, I, you may have said before what your favorite Angel episode was. Um, I just always associate, like, You're Welcome with having basically everything that you love about the show in it. Yeah. You're Welcome. It's almost impossible. I, I was like, I think You're Welcome is a really good episode, but it's also a frustrating episode, and a lot of that is behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, mm. the, the episode I listed as my favorite of Angel is Shell's. Um, okay. in our yeah, hot that's takes. right. That's right. And not because it's the best episode. I think it's really, really good. But I think it pulls something off 
that is so impressive um, from for just from a storytelling standpoint that I have to be like, wow, like so, you did it. <laughs> yeah, something I feel like I need to say is that, uh, you know, best and favorite is not always the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've never really quantified my favorite episodes of Angel the way I have with Buffy, just because yeah. I'm less familiar. Mm-hmm. I do know that um, I've Got You Under My Skin would rank near the top. Um, a little season two episode called Are You Now or Have You Ever Been? Mm. Which is not only a great, great episode, but introduces my favorite set of both shows. Um, yeah, Angel's got a lot of great shit. Um, uh, every episode of season four of Angel is my favorite episode. Sarcasm. Every episode? Sarcasm. Heavy, heavy sarcasm. Yeah, the way that I feel about season four of Buffy is the way that Harrison feels about season four of Angel. But you know, we're like, we're talking about things in the future, so let's get to our characters talking about things in the future, as uh, Wesley continues to try and figure out what this uh, prophecy is saying. Um, He's actually stuck on a word called Shanshu. Hey, that's in the name of the episode. I wonder if it's important. Um, and Wesley translates Shanshu to death. And uh, he thinks that uh, it means that Angel is going to die. And uh, as Cordelia notices, he takes it pretty well. He just like, yeah, yeah what else is new? Um, and also, surprisingly enough, it doesn't look like the Buffy wiki mentions this, but uh, like uh, David shows up i yeah and in all fairness i i can see why they don't mention it because it's weird it, it is weird it's it's it doesn't really have any bearing on the episode whatsoever and as with most scenes with david it comes across as super awkward yeah i and i was thinking about it i was like okay maybe Maybe they're trying to make this parallel between David and Angel. You know, David's this guy who has everything, but is, like, really, really lonely. Um, and... I, yeah, that's a, kind of a stretch. It, yeah. It, and I'm... I'm grasping at straws here because that's what they gave me. It... it and, like, there's, there's... I like the moment where uh, he's, like, a demon could, like... Bust in that door any minute now. And, and everybody turns to just to see and make sure that a demon isn't yeah. coming in. That was funny. It was... Uh, it, it makes me wonder if they were maybe positioning David to be a more... Uh, like a more major character and were kind of peppering him in the way that they've been doing with Gunn. And a mild spoiler... Not a lot comes of it. Yeah. David, yeah, David is in, I looked it up. He's, he appears in exactly one more episode mm-hmm. of the show. Um, so that's maybe what I'm wondering, because Gunn also only has the one scene that he's in in this episode, but it's more important to the plot. And yeah, I, that's my guess is that they were maybe positioning David to become a major character, you know, put him in here so it's not just like, oh, what, what, like, he's important now. Kind of, like, build, like, slowly build him into the fabric of the show. And then I guess between seasons change their minds. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah, uh, so that's kind of, like, all we really need to say about the David scene. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, hey, cool cape, man. I did like uh, his cape. Yeah, <laughs> Cordelia's like it's shiny. <laughs> no, I, I was a little. I was a little. So he said that he blew off a board meeting, mm-hmm. um, but it was also his night to be the DM. So I guess he, his at his company board meetings are Dungeons and Dragons games. If that's the case, why would you blow that off? Because that sounds like fucking. That sounds well, awesome. Maybe. Maybe his board, like, sucks. Oh. And maybe they're, they're just like, oh, my God, we have to play fucking D&D to get through this board meeting. And and then he's really demoralized by their, their lack of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a no-win situation for anyone. The board yeah. can't get their work done. He's sad. Um. <laughs> he, uh, he needs to see if he can get angel investigations in a D&D game but uh then again that also makes me think of that great line like are you familiar with Dungeons and Dragons I faced a few of them yeah oh gosh oh that does remind me of a joke though in before David shows up where um Cordy's like uh pestering Wesley about what the Shanshu prophecy says about her and he, he blows her off and she's like, no one gets my humor. And Angel just goes, he's like reading a book like by himself, not really engaging in the conversation. And he just says, I thought it was kind of funny. Like, <laughs> uh, Important to note in this scene also uh, is Cordelia is looking through the paper and sees that an, an article about uh, Lindsay being promoted to junior partner, which... I mean, yeah, it's important that they know that because now they know like, oh, well, guess he got over his crisis of faith. Uh, but I don't know if that's usually the kind of thing that would show up in a paper. Mm. I suppose if it's a paper that's specifically geared less, like less of a newspaper and more like a, like, like a business, like the business insider I, or something. I, I guess so. I, it, Maybe. But also, I mean, but why would Cordy be reading that? <laughs> why would Cordy be reading that? And why would um? And I guess like, it, it just doesn't seem like it, it's a big promotion for Lindsay. Yes, and I mean, yeah, it 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 obviously seems big to us. Like, gets up to a six figure salary, uh, not which is his version of thirty pieces of silver, uh, like but associate to junior partner isn't the biggest thing. Um, because junior partners eventually become partners. Now, if you're like becoming a senior partner in a law firm, especially like one as big as Wolfram and Hart, that would be newsworthy. Uh, headcanon. Okay. Headcanon. While working with Angel in Blind Date, Lindsay noticed which newspaper the office subscribes to. Made a mental note. <laughs> After getting the promotion, he paid the paper... To write an article knowing that Angel would see it. That's it, my headcanon. I mean, fair enough. Um, but yes, it is a little weird. But yeah, and uh, so speaking of Lindsay, as well as Lila and Holland, isn't it so nice that we don't have to say Lee anymore? Oh, <laughs> I mean, just delightful. I mean, I appreciate the actor's uh, contribution to the Wolfram and Hart arc. But I, I was ready for him to go. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, Holland's just much more... He's much more fun to watch. I love Holland. He's... Uh, Lindsay and Lila are awesome. 
and but they I they are also very much like bottom of the totem pole, um, clawing their way up by whatever means necessary. Yeah, they, they're Jesse and James. Yeah, and, and we need our Giovanni. Yes, and Sam Anderson is so charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's funny when I came to Angel, it was after Lost had ended. So what I knew him from was as lovable Bernard of Rose and Bernard fame, the sweetest old married couple on the island. And seeing him in this role, where he's still, like, charming and affable, but evil. I I love... I love it when I get to see an actor um, in a role that I don't normally associate them with. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like, all right... First thing that came to my head, Sir Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, we know him, and you probably know him from several things. Two biggest ones are probably X Men franchise and Star Trek: The Next Generation. And in both, he plays a um, a very wise mentor who um, comes across multiple times as a father figure, mm-hmm. um, and that's awesome. But then you watch the movie Green Room. Where he's, he's like, like a Nazi, isn't he? Yeah, he's like the he's the kind of like the the leader of a neo Nazi group, and uh, and yeah, it's just like it's soul shattering to see him <laughs> in that role, and uh, but still be amazing in it. And I love, I, I love seeing warm like uh, actors that play warm characters then play extremely harsh evil characters mm-hmm. than the other way around yeah uh that because that's it's just always fun it's it's it takes you back and um and sometimes you know it's the the opposite of that sometimes is i that i think of is um Anne dowd in uh hereditary mm-hmm. who comes across as so like warm and friendly, and I remember sitting Unless in the movie you've theater. Seen the leftovers, yeah, uh, or the Handmaid's Tale, <laughs> or the Handmaid's Tale, uh, uh, of which I've seen both. And I remember sitting in the movie theater, going, "Nope, that bitch is <laughs> not your friend, her. Tony Collette. I don't trust her." <laughs> By the way, um, watch the leftovers. Watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. Watch Green Room. Watch uh, Hereditary, um, and uh, you can watch the Handmaid's Tale if you want to. Uh, yeah. I, I've, I honestly, I think I got midway through season two and I just didn't really feel like continuing with it. Mm-hmm. And I heard a lot of people say that it, yeah, really, really incredible first season. Oh yes. Um, seasons two and three were rough. Um, got really caught in misery porn territory. Mm-hmm. And, I that, thought... that, and that's unfortunately the problem with that kind of subject matter. Exactly. I actually thought the fourth season, while not as good as the first season, was a bit of a return um, it, it, it was more thoughtful about the story it was telling and was less content to wallow in misery. Like, so anyway, but we, yeah, we, but yeah, like watch all those things that I just recommended. Yeah. Uh, cause they're great. Especially the leftovers. Uh, yes. N- more people need to watch the leftovers now streaming on HBO max. <laughs> uh, but let's get back to, uh, what Lindsay, Lila and Holland are actually doing they are uh, observing a ritual, a good old ring of fire ritual, yeah. which we have. I feel like, I feel like we take those for granted. We do. Um, and I even sang uh, jo- some Johnny Cash as uh, that as that ritual popped up. I liked the way that this was framed because at first it looks like oh, 
they're doing this deep in the woods in a remote location and and just on the front right lawn. next right next to wolfram and hart uh Hilarious. but what they do is they bring forth uh a warrior of the underworld who is named voca and he is there to perform the raising unfortunately he needs a certain scroll that Angel just decided to get sticky fingers around. <laughs> um, and this guy, yeah, he's pissed. Um, oh, there's the there's the David. Mention. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like it happened earlier, but I guess not. Because um, this was all like pre-credits. And, uh, th- so we get David, then the cut to Wolfram and Hart. Gotcha. And then back to David and all the right. gang. That, yeah, that's how that flows. Oh, okay. yeah. I don't fault you for forgetting because it is it is a it's yeah. a weird misstep in an episode that's really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, uh, Vo- Voca is telling uh, is telling our three lawyers that uh, the point of the raising was to actually tear Angel away from the powers that be, and what I assume is make him a tool of Wolfram and Hart. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, just so you guys know, it's not Angel versus Wolfram and Hart. It's Wolfram and Hart versus the powers that be. So we're talking like heaven versus hell here. Yeah. Uh, which, fucking metal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so we go back to, and, and uh, oh, and uh, Lindsay's like, oh, my fault. Um, I'll take full responsibility for it. Is there anything that we can do to help? He's like, yeah, stay out of my way. I'm gonna take care of this. This dude's a boss. Yeah, this guy, this guy very much has the energy of I'm your supervisor and you have fucked up, so I'm gonna take care of it. And you feel a little bad about it. Um, this is gonna sound so weird, but he gives me kind of a a Mike Ehrmantraut vibe, uh, from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul of mm. just like. Just let me do my thing. I know what I'm doing, and I'm gonna get it done. Exactly. Like, yeah, that is. God, you know. Watch Better Call Saul. Watch Breaking Bad. Um, I, I speedy love, recovery to Bob Odenkirk. Yes, uh, I love um, just every every scene, pretty much with Mike in uh, Better Call Saul, because you would think that like, oh, there's these like ten minute scenes where it doesn't seem like a lot happens, and honestly. That is like Vince Gilligan's powerhouse, mm. but it's through the little tiny things that the actors do, that the characters do, and they all slowly add up to the end result of the scene, and it's fantastic every time. Like I could watch, I could watch Mike watching a house while he's got his little baseball uh, broadcast going on. I could watch a whole episode of that yeah. because of like. Yeah, you're you're freaking awesome. Uh, God, I always forget the actor who plays him. Uh, Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks. Yep. Uh, he's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so now, um, now we go back to uh, after David has left. Um, again, they they have read the prophecy. Uh, Angel Investigation has read the prophecy, and they are worried about Angel. And uh, Angel's like, yeah, you know, it's no big deal. Um, I'm kind of like worried about what matters. And uh, at this point, something that he does really care about happens, uh, and Cordelia gets a vision. And it's a slime demon. Slime demon uh, 
uh, fighting a homeless lady with a pa- plastic bag on her head. Yeah. And uh, Angel's like, yep, I'm off. Here I go to save the day. Batman's away. <laughs> <laughs> with his sword and his cape. I mean coat. His Dolce & Gabbana coat. <laughs> Do you have a sword or do you have an axe in this scene? He had a sword. He had a sword? Okay. Yeah. Um, although it was really funny. Uh, one last thing about the David scene. Uh, I like how when they find out that it's David and they're slowly walking back in the office and David's just like in awe of the office. Um, uh, Angel's slowly putting back an axe. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that. Just in case it had been something dangerous. Love that. Um, and uh, now we have the uh, the police are on the scene, and uh, they've kind of counted on Kate showing up. So yeah, we get Kate. Uh, last time we saw her, she was being a bit of an asshole towards Angel in the uh, yeah concerning Faith. And guess what she's doing now? Being an asshole to Angel. Yeah, my patience is running very thin with Kate. Well, so is Angel. <laughs> yeah, uh, which we'll see later. But yeah, it's, I am, this is a, I kind of wish there had been a little bit more of this throughout these past few episodes, Mm -hmm. because um, Wesley later comments on, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but Wesley later comments on like how Angel is, you know, feeling a little detached from the world, Um, but I have words about that. Uh, when we get to the scene and throughout the episode, but more so um, at the same time, Kate is slowly getting detached from the Mm -hmm. world because one would argue that, I don't know how her police work is doing, but definitely her emotional state of mind has been shook by the death of her father and by the whole discovery of like, you know, vampires and demons and shit like that in LA. And she seems kind of powerless to stop it and she's just kind of grown this grown this um what's the word i'm looking for uh callousness yeah towards the world especially towards angel and uh i kind of wish we had seen that build a little bit more because she hasn't had too many appearances since her dad died and uh it really kind of comes across like maybe she comes across a lot harsher than like because she's so unrelatable we haven't really seen her arc yeah uh, which is why she comes across so harsh in um in five by five is it five 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 or sanctuary wow sanctuary i yeah no i agree with you totally it's just this it's really hard to sympathize with kate's position here yeah um yeah and uh and it's the things that she says um she she sees angel uh you know, consoling that woman who believed that uh, the phone company um, something something the, the dental company the, yeah yeah the dental yeah. association yeah or the something. dental yeah, association yeah. she thought that the slime demon was uh, a member of the dental association coming after her and uh, Angel's just you know kind of consoling her because you know what else can you say to that yeah uh, and Kate is really just like uh yeah well you know what i'm i'm very much committed to ridding this world of you and your kind and uh yeah, like, it feels really unearned this this antagonism mm-hmm. um and 
we haven't seen Kate dealing with yeah or dealing with or failing to deal with the death of her father. Yeah, definitely failing to deal with. But yeah, we've not seen enough of that, and it's it it's frustrating because I think I do think it fails the care the writing in. And these scenes are good in this episode, but just looking at the character arc she's had as a whole, it is failing the character who I liked when she first appeared yeah, yeah, and failing Elizabeth Rom's performance. It, it really is because when she was first introduced and as she's gone on, it seems like she was supposed to pretty much kind of be that pseudo fourth member of Angel Investigations this year. And unfortunately... Um, after the, uh, and maybe even like slightly before the death of her father, um, she just stopped having a lot of appearances. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is like when her story gets the meatiest, but we're not getting that. Yeah. We're only getting like just her being an asshole. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, and so Angel's just like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, at this point, uh, Wesley is helping Cordelia with, uh, had gotten her some painkillers. And, uh, he says that, uh, Angel is, uh, Wesley says that, um, the reason that Angel is so callous about dying is because we all, as humans, we grow, develop, um, I forget, like, the three words that he says, but, uh. Um, the essential the essential things to living he says change change grow develop and change because and there's a great touch that i noticed is that the camera linger lingers on cordelia when he says change um because of our characters who's gone through the most amount of change mm -hmm. so far it's cordy and uh and yeah and angel can't do that so they start thinking like you know we need to he he doesn't really want anything we need to like help him kind of like you know, connect with life, connect with people, which was the first thing that Doyle was yeah. like telling him in the very beginning of, of Angel and City Of. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Okay. I feel like they're so, over... I, I so think they're really the overreacting. Here's the thing. Um, I was going to get into this later, um, but now's a good time, isn't it? Um, I think that... What Angel, what Wesley and Cordelia are failing to see is maybe Angel doesn't have a huge connection to the world at large, but they are also failing to realize that his connection to them. Yes. And I think they do realize it at the end of the episode. So I don't think that Angel is, dis is as disconnected as they think. Um, because, you know, he, he says that he's, uh, he says that he's family when he's trying to help get into Cordelia's, ho um, hotel room, her hospital room. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't even notice that you said hotel. I was, I was too caught up in the emotion to even notice. Yeah, um, so I think they are unaware of, like, the attachments that he's made, and then, of course, the revelations at the end of the episode connect Angel with the world a little bit more. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but Angel does, uh, Angel does come back, and uh, they're like, "Hey, is there, you know, anything we can get for you?" And uh, he's like, "No, <laughs> I don't want anything." I, she's like, "Do you want a donut?" 
coffee? We can start small. We can get you a puppy. <laughs> also, getting a puppy is not starting small. Puppies are incredible commitments. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I feel like... I feel like it's one of those things that Angel would have, uh, if they had done it anyway without asking him, he would have not liked it at first, but then he slowly would have, he would have taken care of the puppy. So it's, uh, the, it's Rosa Diaz when she got, uh, Arlo the puppy on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I was... I've had him for less than an hour, and if anything happened to him, I would kill myself and all of you. <laughs> I was thinking more of, um, of the, uh, of the episode of Modern Family where uh, Phil's dad shows up and he's like ready to bring them like this dog and Claire spends the entire episode being like oh I'm like gonna have to be the one to take care of him and everything and I'm like none of the kids are gonna do it have any of this responsibility it's just one big mess and then at the end of the episode um Phil like convinces his dad to like you know go back to mom and you know take the dog with you um, cause you know, he obviously loves you and you love him and he's like, oh, you know what? I will like, they have this great moment. And then, uh, very last, uh, shot is, um, Claire and Phil talking to the camera and Phil's like, you know, I think that was a really good experience with my dad. And Claire's like, he took my dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julie Bowen's great. I love her. Um, and ready for like anything else that she's going to do. No. Um, but, uh, we're getting a lot of, like, shout-outs to just <laughs> <Yeah>. everybody. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, let me see where... Okay. Um, so, at this point, uh, Angel... Uh, Wesley wants to, uh, find out more stuff that he can do to translate these, this scroll. Um, but he does say, uh, Angel, maybe it's time to talk to the oracles. And, uh... And he doesn't really know, he doesn't really know if that's a good idea, um, but kind of keeps it in the back of his mind. Yeah. Um, and then we, we see the oracles and, uh, this I is a really, this is, this is a good scene because it looks like it's played off as like the oracles are addressing like a lower being who's just like showing up out of nowhere, which, you know, angels tended to do. Yeah. So you think that they're talking to angel, but what they're actually doing is talking to Voca who has shown up and basically is just like, hey, the new, like, the old order's done. I'm here to, like, I'm here to fucking end it. And uh, so he kills both the oracles. R.I.P. R.I.P. the oracles. R.I.P. gay oracle. R.I.P. mean straight lady oracle. <laughs> they were both mean. That's <laughs> true. I, I'm a little disappointed that they killed the oracles. I... No, like knowing what I know about the rest of the series, I do. I struggle to see like how you know, they fit in, but I still liked. Them. I think, um, and I think that might be maybe along the same lines as David. Like they originally planned to have the oracles be a presence throughout the show, but as the show evolved, and David Greenwald and uh, David Fury probably like got a better idea of what the show was going to be going forward mm-hmm. through this first season. So maybe they're like. Yeah, I don't know if the oracles have a spot in it. Well, the oracles feel redundant, uh, even even at this point in the show. The oracle, like Cordelia, is already the connection to the powers that be. Mm-hmm. So having a second connection to the powers that be, it, it's just it's kind of sloppy storytelling. But I liked them. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, and yeah, and basically what Voca is doing is. 
um, getting rid of all of Angel's access to the powers that be, mm-hmm. and it's starting off with the oracles. I also just realized season two is going to introduce a character that fulfills a lot of the role of the oracles. But is a much more enjoyable character. Yeah. No offense <laughs> to uh, mean straight lady oracle and mean gay guy oracle. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh, but uh, let's go to a market. This is a this is a very interesting, um, very interesting shot. It uh, well, one, it's during the day. Yeah, and that's always that's always throws you off a little bit when watching Angel. Um, but uh, Cordelia is walking through the market, and uh, she stops by this. Uh, she's just kind of looking at random stuff, and then she stops by this table where there is a vendor that. Harrison is absolutely sure is gay. She gives me big old gay vibes. The, the very bohemian, artsy lesbian. Um, See, like, I, and I, she I, was like, "Ooh, Cordelia. I guess, I, I guess, like the artsy bohemian doesn't necessarily scream lesbian to me. I feel like it can be, it can lesbian isn't always implied, right? Yeah, and but there's a certain. Like, I don't know. She just felt gay to me. She okay, just felt gay. Enough. She felt like she had a crush on Cordelia. Um, and... I, but also, Cordelia is buying her shit. Yeah. So. <laughs> I do want to say, I actually think as far as gifts for Angel, art supplies is a great gift for Angel. We've already, we already know that he has artistic skills. Yeah. So, Yeah. I'm a little worried though that he never got them. I know. Uh, maybe some, maybe some helpful person, like when they were loading Cordy up into the ambulance, was like the the, the art lady. She was like, oh, by the way, or maybe bought. maybe the art lady tried to find Cordelia afterwards and, and kissed. <laughs> Why not? Gage and art lady. All right, fair enough. Um, I do also you backtracking a skosh. You mentioned just that shot of Cordelia walking through. The, the, the really busy market and it's mm-hmm. different than what we've seen um i i i think it's there as maybe a visual representation of the world, the world. that they think the world that they think angel isn't connected to yeah fair enough yeah That's, that was what my vibe was um because we've had a couple of episodes before where it's just wesley and cordy out in the daylight yeah and angel obviously can't join them uh yes uh, Cordelia decides to buy a whole bunch of art supplies uh, for Angel as a gift. You know, give him a hobby. <laughs> I love when she's like describing her friend, and uh, she she's describing her friend to the art lady. And it's like, oh, is he depressed? It's like he wears a lot of black. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, and I also love just um, uh, when the when the um, vendor says like, oh, this must be some friend. And uh, that's when Cordy says, like, yeah. So it's it's really nice to see that, you know, beginning of the season, what kind of relationship is there between Angel and Cordelia? Like, almost none at all. But uh, now, like, this is kind of one of the first indications in this episode of just how far they've come. Yeah. Cordy recalls, like, sp- says, like, at the beginning of the episode, like, you're my friend. Mm-hmm. Which is not... It's interesting. It's so funny because how blunt she usually is. But we've never heard her be blunt in that sort of way. You know what I mean? Positively we, blunt. We've never heard her be kind blunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and later at the end of the episode where she matter-of-factly says, we're a family. Yeah. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts. 
But uh, um, then Cordelia get um, as Cordelia's leaving with all the art supplies, she got a lot. Um, the uh, Voca uh, kind of like just goes through the crowd and uh, he touches Cordy's arm, her wrist, and uh, she has a vision and um, it hurts her for a second and uh, she pulls out her phone to call Angel and Wesley, let them know that she had a vision, but then she has another vision and another vision. <sighs> and um, basically what Voca has done is turn Cordy's vision powers into overdrive and she collapses to the ground. Nobody fucking helps her. Like there are people visibly walking yeah. by as she is collapsed on the ground in screaming in pain. And then the vendor finally comes over and yells like, call somebody call 911. Like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck's wrong with you people? <laughs> that that upset me. Like, I mean, I get that I get that like, hey, it may take you like a little bit of time to help somebody, but god damn it, like I would like to think that somebody would have stopped that wasn't like, you know, just the person who had to come all the way over from her art table. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No. Ugh. I also, I mean, I agree with you. On the the other side of that is, I think part of that is TV. And mm -hmm. we need a clear shot of Cordelia in agony that's not blocked by people. And, and they don't want to hire another actor to have lines. So they have to um but yeah it's, it, it's yeah angel um angel's in the basement he's been looking at the uh he's been looking at the scroll um he uh he gets a call on the phone and uh says that um and it's clear that like it's somebody from the hospital calling angel and um angel says like she doesn't have any family in town and so he locks the scroll in the weapons uh, cabinet and then uh, runs off, grabs his coat, and he's away. It's then revealed that Voca is inside the apartment. And he, uh, as soon as Angel's gone, he rips open the, uh, the weapons cabinet, takes the scroll, and then puts something else in there. Um, so This fucking dude. No, I mean, like you said, he is extremely efficient he gets the fucking job done do you know what his only mistake was fucking with angel's family you really did yeah that <laughs> that's your that's your first mistake and your last mistake <laughs> it's the you know the meme that's like call an ambulance for you <laughs> <laughs> that's angel at the end of the episode um so Angel gets to the hospital and he rushes into Cordelia's uh, room and uh, they say, and um, the people are trying to like basically hold her down while she's just like screaming and writhing on the bed. They're like, are you like, you can't be in here. Are you family? And he just immediately says, yes, this is one of my favorite tropes. Uh, you see, it. this is not an, like, this is not the only time that television or film has utilized this, but the person in agony at the hospital their friend who is not a blood relative like comes in and the doctor's like are you family and they just say yes because because they are and i am a big you know found family is very important to me um it's obviously a big theme on 
uh, this show uh, and Buffy. Um, and this episode is hitting it real hard. Um, and I just love it. I I love it so I love it dearly. I think uh, the the very first thing that comes to my mind when thinking of that trope is uh, remember the Titans mm-hmm. when um, Gary is in the hospital and uh, Julius walks in these like guys who spent the majority of the first part of the movie just fighting each other and like you know saying each other like terrible and uh, and like um, the nurse says oh like if you're not family you can't be in here and gary's like oh are you blind can't you see it's my brother like uh it's yeah. so good there's, watch remember the titans uh, <laughs> there's a great episode of season five of buffy called family um it doesn't have the medical context but it that episode has a really wonderful moment of we'll we're family that. and i love it we are family but uh, yeah, so um, he he can tell Angel can tell that um, she's having visions, and he tells the doctors like, "Hey, drugs aren't going to help her." Um, they're like, "Oh, she needs to be like she needs CAT scan," um, and uh, Angel's like, "Yeah, it's like he doesn't know what's hap- like why this is happening," but uh, like he tells the doctors like, "What you're doing isn't going to help." Yeah. Um, sorry. And the doctor's basically like, if we can't figure this out and stop this, she's going to die. Yeah. Um, Wesley returns with uh, rare books, and uh, it makes me a little sad because he never really got a chance to read those rare no. books, and probably won't because uh, <laughs> they're probably they probably got burned. Uh, but uh, Wesley, um, Wesley goes in to uh, the weapons cabinet to get the scroll, but he finds that. Uh, he sees that it's been forced open and he opens the, so he opens up the door, sees what's inside. And, um, we never actually see what's inside. Uh, probably cause whatever they thought would look like a bomb probably looked like stupid. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I was thinking that too. Cause I was like, okay, it's going to look really weird and out of place. If we see like a bomb in there, I'm, I'm picturing something that's like a mystical bomb. That's like a little, it's like a round little glowy thing. Yeah, but like, it, I think like at that point we all knew what was coming. Uh, because And Wesley like starts running away. And uh, at this point Angel is driving back to the office and as soon as he gets out, the, the whole uh, first floor of that building just explodes. Yeah. So two things. One is trivia, one is just thoughts of my own um the crew really hated filming in that office set um they it was too small and just made filming really really cramped and tight Mm. um and i would also say that that set wasn't the most interesting visually and often led to scenes that were really stagnant because of the limited mobility although i did like angel's apartment set i thought that one was cool um, so yeah, that's why they blew it up. Um, it, <laughs> in their long tradition of blowing sets up once they're done with them. Um, not the first time, obviously, and it won't be the last. And, um, and I do have to say, I really, um, they're obviously going to get a new space in season two, and I love I new fucking space. love it. <laughs> um, my Little second tease. thought that was just, just my thought was, 
there were other businesses in that building. There, we know for we know for a fact that there was a dentist office in there. Like I just, now the now the now the dental association isn't going to come after that homeless woman because they got blown up. Um, but I also think it was at night, so maybe Angel Investigations might have been the only one that was operating at night. We don't know that, but let's assume. Yeah, let's hope. I, but let's hope. Yeah. Um, uh, Angel rushes in, um, and uh, I think he just, just assumes that Wesley is going to be there. Uh, he does find him, and uh, ambulance shows up. And uh, unfortunately, Kate also shows up, and uh, she starts off with like a glib remark, and uh, Angel just doesn't. He's done. He's yeah. done with this. He's got like. He's got fucking people to wreck vengeance on. He doesn't have time for Kate's shit. And, uh... So, the quote is here in the wiki. Right. Do you mind if I do a... Go for it. Um, okay. So, Kate says, Never a dull moment when you're around, is there? Fuck you, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Angel says, I have to go. Kate says, Who in the hell do you think you are? You're a major witness at a major crime scene. You're not going anywhere. Okay. I'll concede her that point. Yeah. Um, Angel, you want to try and stop me, Kate? Hot. <laughs> Kate, I'm glad we're not playing friends anymore. I am real sick and tired of your attitude. Mm. Uh, there's a little thing called the His law. attitude. <laughs> and then Angel says, this isn't about the law. This is about a little thing called life. Now, I'm sorry that you're... I'm sorry about your father... But I didn't kill your father, and I'm sick and tired of you blaming me for everything you can't handle. You want to be enemies? Try me. And then he walks away. Yeah. And, and she's like, do? <laughs> I need to be alone for a moment. <laughs> um, Cold shower. <laughs> but, uh, and, hey, weren't we just, weren't Wesley and Cordelia saying that Angel isn't really, like, attached to life? Guess what he is? Yep. Y'all just missed it. Yep. Um... But yes, uh, so um, Wesley's stable but unconscious, and so then Angel goes into the, uh, after seeing Wesley, he goes to see Cordelia. Um, she's in a lot of pain, not screaming, um, and Angel's like, hey, I'm going to help you, I'm going to fix this, and that's when he notices the symbol on her wrist, and uh, he makes a drawing of it and goes to basically his last resource that he has, the oracles. And, uh, when he goes in, he, um, sees that oracles are dead. And the female oracle ghost shows up, and, uh, she's been dead for, she can't stay for long. She's been dead for a while. So far, she doesn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. Uh, pitch perfect delivery from that actor. Um, and, uh, yeah, she says that there is a demon um who killed them and that's also who's responsible for cordelia having these visions um and uh in order to save cordelia angel needs the scroll and voca has it yeah so there was a lot of blood not just here but in the uh the final scene with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. um uh, when he cuts off Lindsay's hand more blood than I think we've ever seen on either show. I was a little surprised because it felt like more than you could have gotten away with at this time uh, on on non-cable television. Mm-hmm. So that's all that thought was. Yeah. Uh, and uh, 
When asked where Voca is, Angel says that Voca was summoned for the raising and is hiding behind man's law. So, oh, law. <laughs> Guess where I, I know where I'm going. So, Angel, um... He pulls the, the fucking scythe out of whichever one it was in. I was yeah. like, I get he's it. Like, but... I'm, he's like, I'm gonna kill this guy with his own weapon. Uh... <laughs> oh, I, there's something I just found very funny about the, like... These poor oracles, their corpses are just on the floor, and you just hear like the thud when he. When the... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so, uh, but Angel's not stupid. He knows that um, it's possible that uh, Wolfram and Hart could send people after uh, Wes and Cordelia. So we get gun, gun, because he had to get a scythe, and then he had to get a gun. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, yeah, uh, Gunn is currently um, outside of an Italian restaurant, and uh, he's getting some food, which I assume is going to be for, like, all, like, kind of, like, the homeless orphans that Love work that. with him. Yeah, no, Gunn is Gun is awesome. He's yeah. a man of the people. And uh, when Angel shows up, uh, <laughs> it's really funny because, like, everybody gets their weapons out, but then when he sees this Angel's like, hang on, <laughs> yeah. put, the, put, put your weapons down, know this guy. And, uh, it, like... Uh, Gun's trying to uh, be glib with uh, with Angel. And he's like, "Hey, you know, normally you gotta humor the people who've done favors for you, but Angel's straight to business. Like, you're gonna do another for me." And, and I love that Gun's like, "Oh, do you want me to throw another vampire into, the, into that law firm? Because that was my idea of a good time." Mine too. Love it. <laughs> love it. But no, he um he does say like, "I my friends have been hurt by those guys." I need, I need you to protect them. And I love that, uh, and you really do kind of see like the respect that they both have for each other at yeah. this point, that Gunn is willing to do that. Yeah. And... It's Gunn. Well, Gunn, especially since Gunn gets it. Like mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, Gunn knows people. about looking after your people. Yeah, exactly. Um, God, I love Gunn. This is the only scene in this episode and God damn it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, we see that uh, Voca is performing a translation or performing a um, an incantation out of the scroll while there is inside of a crypt, and uh, actually no, it's more of a mausoleum. A mausoleum, yeah. yeah. Um, there is a box in the center of a room, and there are five vampires chained to it. So Voca and two monks are chanting from the scroll. Um, Holland, Lindsay, and Lila, they are on their way to the crypt. They're on their way to this mausoleum. Um, Lindsay's kind of like the one who's had to rearrange, who's had to like arrange all the, all the stuff. And Holland's like, uh, oh, um, everything's good to go. And, um, and Lindsay's like, yeah, everything's good. And, uh, Lila, and Lila says, uh, do, do they have that quote in there? Oh gosh. Yeah, well, because Holland's, like, making this big deal of how, like, the senior partners are watching mm-hmm. this closely, and they do. Lila says, remember when Robert Price let the senior partners down and they made him eat his liver? I don't know what made me think of that. <laughs> and uh, I, I believe at this point I said, God, Lila, I love watching you from afar, but I would hate you in real life. Oh, God. Well, just like even like in a non-evil workplace, this type of coworker would just be like, oh, my God, you are insufferable to be around. Uh, but she makes for good TV. Yeah. Um, so they get to the uh, 
but Angel does notice them leaving. Obviously, he's going to follow them. Uh, the lawyers get to where the uh, where the ritual is happening. Um, Holland notes that, like, God, they haven't even gotten to the Latin yet. <laughs> I love. It's very funny, but it also ties into this larger discussion we've been having about the banality of evil mm-hmm. and this, like. Yeah, for them, this is part of their nine to five, mm-hmm. um, you know, give or take uh, demon hours, but um, which is like far, far more compelling than I want to make a big robot demon hybrid army. Like, yeah. Um, but uh, so we were done talking about Adam. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so um voca stops the ritual because he knows that somebody's there and guess who busts through the window our Good boy is the door <laughs> no never no <laughs> he only go he angel can only go through doors if they're double doors and he can open them both at the same and time break them open <laughs> yeah but uh so um they then proceed to have uh, a battle with these sites because voca actually pulls another one out and, uh, and, uh, so Holland's immediately like, Lindsay! <laughs> and, uh, Lindsay, um, desperate, of course, for the, uh, for the approval of these senior partners and Holland, yeah. um, decides to grab the scroll and continue the ritual while, um, Angel and Voca fight. Uh, Lindsay is able to finish it. And uh, the five vampires basically turn to dust and, they s- and it swirls around the box. There's a very blinding light shockwave that throws Lindsay back against the wall. And uh, the so Lindsay's kind of like on the ground and Holland's like, get the box out. Yeah. So they got what they came for. And they were summoning, it seemed like they were summoning a beast. Mm. Uh, we'll see what they actually summoned later. Um, but say uh, they summoned a beast hang on let's, <laughs> let's save the reveal um angel does uh does beat voca he like actually pulls his mask off and He's got a maggot face does and you know not the not the most surprising thing like you know what you look like a maggot face guy uh, but he but then he like is able to uh kill voca and this is when uh so Lindsay wakes up he has a scroll and uh He's like, hey, thanks for helping me with the crisis of conscience. I obviously made my, I obviously worked it out. And uh, he's like, give me the, and, and he was like, give me the scroll. And he's like, well, no, we gotta, we gotta sever all your connections to the powers that be. And so he starts to burn the scroll. Angel grabs the scythe, throws it, and cuts Lindsay's hand off. Metal is fucked. <laughs> exactly. It's so, there's no hesitation. He is no he's like i'm done playing nice with you you little fucking twerp you little piss baby brat he looks at Lindsay the way we all look at lee (laughs) um i am so if i had to define my sexuality (laughs) my sexuality is angel cutting off Lindsay's hand to save cordy's life that's my sexuality that um that opens the door to a whole lot of questions that might need to be addressed by a therapist listen yeah i'll probably fuck the stump (laughs) sorry was that was that the line i feel like i finally found the line and 
leapt over it. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. You know, a couple weeks back we had someone um share one of their epi- one of our episodes like on their Facebook or something and um they just said really they were like, I really like this podcast, it's really funny, blah blah and then at the end they were like, Oh, by the way, very strong language and I was like, Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, There's a reason why on Spotify every episode has an E next to it. I do not I don't think I could clean up my mouth if I tried. Like <laughs> You know, like I um I actually kind of wanted to uh and it's really funny. I got the idea after watching like a, a compilation of Parks and Rec uh, moments where, like, they say something that gets bleeped out. Yeah. And uh, I and it made me realize one super funny, uh, but also like you know maybe I shouldn't swear as much and just like save it for just moments that come out of nowhere and it'll really make those things land. I can't pull that off on this podcast. I'm a bad influence. <laughs> You're the worst I'm influence. just a terrible, terrible influence. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Angel ahead. picks up the scroll and uh, basically just gives Lindsay a look of like, I just don't fucking care about you. <laughs> and uh, Lindsay's like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, hey, uh, don't believe everything that you're foretold because I think Lindsay was just like, oh yeah, Scroll said we'd like kill you and everything. Um, but he, Lindsay, also said we've severed your connections to the powers that be, and I'm furious that Angel doesn't come come in with like a, I've severed your connection to your wanking hand or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, anyway, uh, Lindsay's probably a guy who does it left handed. Okay, I was thinking His about his right hand was cut off. Oh, I know. No, I was thinking about which hand I use. Okay. Because I don't, I don't just, I think I, that's why I had to do the motion I did. Um, yeah, now I know which hand he uses, which well, hand Harrison uses. It's like, you know how, like, like when you're typing in a password that, like, you know, but if you think about it, like, you go, oh, no, I don't it's know It's muscle it memory. Yeah, it's muscle memory. And, yeah, when I'm, you know, when I'm playing with my muscle, it's muscle memory. All right, I'm I, sorry. I have some good <laughs> memories of playing with that muscle. <laughs> All right, go um, ahead, go ahead. So, Wesley has regained consciousness. He's reading um, from the scroll, and uh, there's a flash of light that totally throws off this nurse, like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, when she comes in, uh, she sees that uh, Cordelia recognizes Angel. She's like, I'll go grab some doctors. Yeah. And uh, so she... And this is, this is such a great moment, because basically Cordelia, throughout, like, the course of Angel um, trying to help Cordelia, all she's been doing is getting visions. And she's like, I've seen them all. I felt their pain. There are so many people that need our help. And uh, and she does also say, like, oh, and, you know, the family's back together. Yeah. Um, it's really powerful. It is. And, you know, um, we... We've uh, we've mentioned that Cordelia does obviously uh, grow throughout the course of Angel, and this is a huge moment in that. Yeah. Because um, this is her all-in moment. Yeah, and uh, I also think that she has. I mean, she probably doesn't like the vision still, but she doesn't see them as. Oh God, this is such an inconvenience in my life from this point forward. Mm-hmm. She sees them as like this is my role. 
Yes. It's a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, you know, which is... You're gonna find your purpose. <laughs> um, and it's... Yeah, it's just, it's lovely. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Angel promises that they're gonna help all the people that she saw. Um, so, at the moment, uh, the, uh, the interim base for Angel Investigations is Cordy's apartment. <laughs> Uh, which means, hey, they also have Phantom Dennis. Yay! Yeah. Um, so, uh, she makes, um, Cordelia's in, like, a really chipper mood. And, uh, Wesley is, um, trying to, like, decipher the scroll and feeling like, oh, I'm making mistakes. And Cordelia's like, no, you need to eat. That's Keep up your strength. Good. Yeah, she, she made him a sandwich. It was really nice. And, um, so the same thing to Angel and hands him some, uh, hands him some blood and uh she's like hey don't be embarrassed uh we're family and uh oh yeah. the waterworks um so what uh then wesley um makes out he finds out like what shanshu really translates to it means to live and die um and this means that angel will die but only once he's lived. So how that is interpreted uh, by them is that once Angel fulfills his destiny of being the champion, he will get to become human. And as opposed to the complete blank um, stare that he had, blank reaction that he had to, oh, you're going to die, he's like, he actually perks up and smiles. And so now he has... at this point, um, obviously, the the point of the show so far for Angel's character has been to find his connection to the world that he's lost. And now he has um, a way to get back to that world and uh, that he has, a, he has something to work forward to. He's not just like, you know, doing this, um, going in blindly. He has a reason and that's going to make him better at what he does. Yeah. It's, first of all, he's, the shirt he's wearing, it's not white, but it's like a much lighter color than mm-hmm. he normally wears, which feels very deliberate. Um, that smile is gorgeous. It's just a beautiful moment. And we can talk about the fucking Shanshu prophecy now. Yeah. <laughs> like... um, this is, this is a huge thing going forward in the uh in the rest of the series because it, this is this becomes angel's motivation yeah and yeah and i don't there might be like I, I think i remember being a little torn on this the first time i saw it because i'm like you know it you know you you want angel like to be like a hero he wants to be like altruistic and everything like you know he wants to help people to help people but and to like introduce like oh this is his reward um kind of like comes across maybe a little cheap but i don't think so like yeah yeah it it is earned i Um, think if they had started the series with it and it was like angel's like oh i'm gonna start doing good things so i can get this reward that would suck but we've had an entire season of angel doing the right thing because it's the right thing and you know wanting to atone for his past that this is let I mean it is motivation, but it's also like we know that he would be continuing on this path 
of righteousness even mm-hmm. without this this is just a nice perk for him yeah and i like to see his goodness being rewarded um because and... unfortunately goodness doesn't get rewarded yeah especially in the world of buffy yeah yeah um, fucking hell uh but uh and you know had it had the episode ended there it would have been a pretty good episode the episode doesn't end there though because we still have the question of what's in the box <laughs> and uh um the box is back at wolfram and hart uh lila holland and a uh, slightly uh lighter uh <laughs> Lindsay are there and holland's like oh we appreciate your uh we appreciate your sacrifice and uh like we're ready to take our next step in our fight against the powers that be in our fight against angel and this is a huge part of it and we see lila we, we can actually see like through the bars of like our viewpoint is we're inside the box looking out the bars and lila's coming towards it and uh she's saying like oh i know that this is uh ve- this must seem very strange but don't worry we're gonna work it all out and we pan over and we see a disheveled darla ah uh. Darla is back, y'all. What a fucking great reveal. Yeah. Like, Nobody really saw that coming. <laughs> no, because it's... Okay, so here's my Dar- thing. Yeah, Darla has had a presence yeah. in this show, but it's been solely through flashbacks. I mean, and there were also flashbacks in Angel in uh, the first few seasons of Buffy, yeah. but we have not seen Darla alive i mean obviously vampire but um we haven't seen darla in the land of the living since angel yeah <laughs> my first episode but uh Full but yeah cool <laughs> yeah and uh but now here she is in the flesh yeah. and uh what does that mean tune in next season <laughs> yeah it's such an exciting because like okay cool it might have been a big monster with 8,000 teeth and 42 eyes and tentacles coming out of its anus. That'd be cool, but like (laughs) I don't think there's anything that could have been in that box that would have been exciting, as exciting. Uh, One, from just a holy shit, that's a moment, like a reveal. Or just from the narrative possibilities. Yeah, because when you think about it, what is the best way to fuck with Angel? uh, why not use like that person in his life obviously they don't have access to Buffy um, and uh, they lost access to Faith I don't (laughs) think they would want access to Faith though but uh, and they um, but yeah the so this is like the closest person they can get to I think actually I think Darla is even better than using Buffy Mm -hmm. because Darla represents the worst that Angel has ever been and done yeah which it all started with darla yeah just from a psychological standpoint darla is a much more potent weapon than buffy um all you could do with buffy is put her in danger and angel's gonna be like that bitch is gonna kick your ass (laughs) you know like um like that it would yeah Darla is... Maybe Drusilla would be another one because Drusilla... 
Angel considers what he did to Drusilla to be one of the worst things he ever did. So... At this point, though, um, Drusilla is more of a connection to Spike. Yes. Um, I don't know if... I can't say whether or not that'll be the case. Who but... can say? But, you know, but why don't you just keep listening, oh. and we'll keep talking about it. It's so good. It's so good! Yeah, and uh, that is where we end Season 1 of Angel. And um, I love that... Uh, you know, we obviously, last week, we talked about rest, in Restless how there are a lot of things that are um, subtly being built up for what's to come, especially in Season 5 of Buffy. But um, it's all subtle, and it's really kind of hard to... Honestly, it's really hard to kind of guess anything that's going to happen going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Restless obviously makes a lot more sense after you've seen the rest of the show and then look back on it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just like a confusing mess. <laughs> but this is like a classic, hey, we got you. Here's what's coming up. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's very traditional. Um, not exactly a cliffhanger, but like a really fun a view tease. of things to come. Yeah, nice tease. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, guys. It's very much your... Um your uh lost season three finale we have to go back oh my god like Um, that moment of holy shit what do you mean i have to wait all summer for the next season yeah uh um we often talk about like our favorite series finales um that is uh of course uh, through the looking glass is um it are my favorite lost episodes it's amazing and um I, I do believe uh, maybe with maybe I like that as much as becoming um, wow in terms okay. of like season finales because I'm trying to think of like season finales not series finales yeah um, I feel like we have to separate those yeah well uh, they're they're different beasts mm-hmm. uh, but yeah if I had to think of like my favorite season finales it would be becoming through the looking glass and um, Season two finale of Hannibal. Because, goddamn. Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I just, a couple days ago on my Lost Rewatch, watched Exodus, which is the season one finale, which is fucking solid. Um, but yeah, that season three one is, wow. And it was actually really funny. I remember watching it when it aired, being like, one being, like, liking the episode overall. But being irritated that it was yet another Jack flashback. And I was watching it and I was like. He's the main character. This is. I was like this. The continuity seems all fucked up. We've. The show has never alluded to Jack having like a drinking problem. Like this does not. Like this feels like. What? This doesn't make any sense. Why are these flashbacks like this? It doesn't fit in anywhere in what I know of his past. And then that bomb at the end, I was like... Yeah. Yeah, like... I mean, because all the stuff that's happening on the island is fantastic. But then, like, at the end, it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah. When Kate got out of that car, I went, what the fuck? And I was like, 
Hold on. He's known Kate this entire time? That I, I was actually a little slow Work on the out, Harris. I was a little slow on the uptake. And then the last horse crossed the finish line. <laughs> penny in the air. And the penny drops. Uh, anyway. But anyway, um, guys, that was uh, that was to Shanshu in LA, and that was season one of Angel. Um, this is an overall really good episode, um, especially as a season finale, because... We um, Angel hasn't exactly gone ha- as hard on the arc storytelling as it eventually will go, mm-hmm. but uh, I do like that this episode was kind of like a summary, like a nice little um, wrap up of the first year of Angel. In that yeah. we see how far all the characters come, and it's really just about like their how their relationships have built. And Wolfram and Hart is now like after being alluded to constantly throughout the first season, is finally, like, in its full presence. Yeah. Um, they are firmly in big, bad position. Firmly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Uh, honestly, there's, like... That that David scene was weird, um, so I can't really give it, like, a perfect score, because that just kind of, like, stood out. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, no, that's honestly really the only problem I have with it. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5 bags full of art supplies. Nice. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic episode. It's a great tie-up for the whole season, but also a great launching point for the season two and just the rest of the series. We're, we're in Angel's next phase. I think the show has used this first season wisely to figure out its tone, um, the stories it's telling, the relationship between the core, both both versions of the core trio. Um, and uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to talk more when we do our season wrap up. Um, I'm going to talk more about, I'm going to do a little bit where I compare Angel's first season to Buffy's first season. Um, and I think maybe the lessons that they learned from starting Buffy that that kind of took over when they did Angel's first season, but, um, I'll save that for that discussion. But yeah, it's just really strong, uh, great showcases for all the characters. Um, David's scene is weird, it doesn't fit, I don't know why it's there. Um, I'm annoyed by the Kate stuff, but it is consistent, so I'm not gonna mark that. I'm not going to mark that as a flaw in this episode. I'm just going to mark that as a flaw in the arc of Kate as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is going to be um, four and a half very dead oracles out of five. <laughs> R.I.P. oracles. <laughs> Sorry, like, I think the reason there was so much blood was because there's half an oracle. <laughs> um, is there anything that you want to say? But... I feel like we've got like a lot to talk about in our wrap up episodes, but uh, anything for this episode in particular? Not really. I think, oh. yeah, I think we've hit everything for this episode, and yeah, I don't want to bog us down on just like general season thoughts because mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna do next week. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. All right. Well, take us out, my friends. I will, my friend. Uh, my family. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Manipulative. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with our season wrap-up. Um, so as of now, 
um, before we record it, that's we're planning on that being one episode. Um, oh, see what happens. We'll see what happens. Our hot takes was going to be one episode as well. Um, so um, if it if it becomes two episodes, it becomes two episodes. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Season wrap up. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357 and on Twitter at just plain old yamij. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. I also write a horror blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I talk about a different horror film every month. Um, this week, after... <laughs> I've had to reschedule it twice. I am finally getting to cover Nia DaCosta's Candyman sequel. Candyman. Oh gosh. Who uh, can take a sunrise? <laughs> sprinkle it with dew. I'm so excited. We haven't. I haven't seen it yet. We're um, John and I are going to see it on Saturday. Oh, that's exciting. Um, he's convinced him to go see it with me I, I made him watch the original with me last week and he actually enjoyed it hmm. um so john's not one for uh for gory horror movies he's not um and Candyman has some gore but it's not aggressively gory and Candyman is also very the original very much so and i say it one more time what oh candy <laughs> oh no there's no oh shit there's a beer in here um, it's not um it's very also like it's it's what haters will say is woke um but it's very socially a socially conscious horror film um and i'm i'm certain the new one definitely will be considered it was written uh you know co-written by a black woman and a black man and directed by a black woman so did Nia DaCosta do uh, Lovecraft Country, or am I getting that oh, uh, mixed up? I don't know. With uh, another... I've not watched Lovecraft Country yet. Um, but yeah, like, uh, okay, so it was uh, Misha Green. Okay. I was just trying to think, like, um, a lot of people are saying, like, how Nia DaCosta is, like, um, a, no, like a new kind of, like, horror voice, and uh, yeah. Misha Green as well. Um, She's 31. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. Oh, she did um, Little Woods, okay. which starred Tessa Thompson that came out in 2018, which I've not seen, but I remember get that getting some buzz. Oh, it... she's also going to be uh, writing and directing the upcoming Tomb Raider sequel. Oh. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, anyway. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A-N-D. And don't forget to write... Uh, a uh, review on Apple Podcasts and uh, subscribe to us there or wherever you want to get your podcasts. Rate and review us. Yeah. Love it. Um, and each week we'd like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week we're highlighting Good 360. Good 360's mission is to transform lives by providing hope, dignity, and a sense of renewed possibility to individuals, families, and communities impacted by disasters or other challenging life circumstances who, without us, would struggle to find that hope, visit www.good360.org for more information. Obviously, there's like, um, also uh, recently we had Hurricane Ida um, hit uh, hit Louisiana and um, other parts as well. So uh, I'm sure that this mm-hmm. organization, along with others, will be needing the aid, needing yep. the help. 
we got uh, a couple days ago, uh, the last few days, we've been getting the the, the blowover of Ida here in Louisville. Yeah, typically um, when there's like a tropical storm or something um, on uh, like the east coast or the southern coast, southeast coast, that... Um, that typically means that we get some uh, we get some extended periods pretty, of rain. Yeah, pretty intense weather. We had, there was one night, and I don't know if this is what it was like at your house. Um, I, I it might not have been. I'm because my parents the night this was happening, my parents didn't get anything. Um, but there was one night where here it was raining so hard, it was like a sheet of water, and the wind was blowing so hard that it uh, knocked a couple planks off the fence in our backyard. Oh my. And uh, a really large branch um, fell from a tree uh, out front and barely missed John's car. Well, I'm glad it missed it. Yeah. So, but yeah, obviously, um, people down there having a rough go of it. So yeah. uh, give what you can. Give what you can. All right. All that being said, go slay. And sell art. <laughs> Be gay about it, too. <laughs>